We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host Nick Flato. Yeah, I did it differently this time because I'm in a good mood today. Because it's almost time for training camp. I'm excited about football returning. It's my life. I love the sport. I'm insanely passionate about it and I have been for quite some time. And so I'm excited to see the Giants this year. There's expectations from both of our ends that they're going to win 10 games. I think they're going to win 10 games, maybe 11, maybe 12. Are they this year's Browns? They don't have the offensive line for it, but they have a better defense for it. Maybe they're this year's Browns. I don't know, but I'm excited. And then there's fantasy football, which is also freaking awesome. I can't wait. But other than that, man, how's your week been going? Obviously, we talked a little bit about your trip out to the West Coast. And I had a good week, man. I just got finished playing my pops, Ronald Schneier, in tennis. Unfortunately for Ron, he lost again. He hasn't been able to beat me for quite some time. But he hit well. He served well. But now I got the timing down. been playing a little bit. We've played each of the last four weeks, I believe. 6-1 today. We only had time for one sec. We hit for a while, warmed up for a while. Just wanted to hang around, talk, catch up. But it was a good time, man. I just love doing anything outdoors involving physical activity if there's a game and a sport involved. Like, do you ever see me running? No, I don't run, Nick. That's your job. It's your life. You find a way to make that enjoyable for you. And at times, I am concerned that it's not actually enjoyable for you. I think it's just like, oh my God, I ate this piece of bread today. I have to go (laughs) run now for 40 minutes. It's like I'm worried about that to some extent. But I will say this. I love being outside and actually playing a game. I played pickup basketball twice last weekend, Friday and Saturday. That was freaking awesome. So getting back out there, man, and it feels damn good. How how are you doing today, my friend? I want to play some pickup basketball, man. Mm. I, I grew up playing pickup basketball, love playing pickup basketball, haven't played in probably about two years. So that's something that needs to be fixed. I would love to play with you, Dan. I think that'd be a whole lot of fun, but I'm doing well. But I want to say something. At the 14 second mark here, you sounded like Duke Ellington from from Big Mouth. You watch Big Mouth? Oh, I love Big Mouth. I, w- I walked past this star, by the way, on uh, on Sunset Boulevard, and, nice. I, and I took a picture of it and I sent it to my group chat, and uh, just all the all the gifts just just came flying in there. <laughs> Maury and Duke Ellington. If anybody if anybody hasn't watched Big Mouth, it's an adult animated show, so don't watch with your kids. It may look like a kid show, but I highly encourage it. It's it's very very uh, grotesque. Yeah, it's unbelievably funny. Like the first season, I I remember just. 
laughing out loud so often. Like it was just so many <laughs> laugh out loud moments, just ridiculous things. You're they put a big on the laugher too. I am a big show. laugher. You're a big. When I watch shows. I when, when we've we, watched some shows together, and I am a big laugher when we watch, when I watch shows. You are not. No, nah, I sit there and you wouldn't. And sometimes I'm like, <laughs> I'm like debating. Like, am, is it like first of all, as a big laugher with shows, I will laugh when something's funny. Let me start by saying that. And as a laugher with shows, a laugh, when you're laughing out loud at a show, it's always so much more enjoyable when another person you're watching with is laughing as well. When they don't laugh, you start to second guess yourself. Like, is this funny or am I just an idiot for thinking this is funny? (laughs) But then over time, we've watched enough shows that I've realized that like, you just don't, you just don't laugh. Even if you think it's funny, you're like, in your head, you're like, probably like, "Mm, that was clever. And then, then that's it. But like, (laughs) you don't actually laugh. What's going on in my head. But occasionally you do laugh. And it's such a reward when you laugh and I'm laughing. I'm like, it's such a reward because I'm like, that was funny. I knew that was funny first of all. It's a revelation. I thought it was funny, but I wasn't positive and I thought maybe I was an idiot. Now I know it's funny. <laughs> no, so. yeah. I'm not a big laugher in, uh-huh. in shows, but I, I really enjoy it though. Yeah. Yeah. I, that that show is just excellent. I can't wait till they come back for another season. I mean, it's Nick Kroll. It's um, forgetting his name. It's the guys who do the – you guys ever seen the How Did This Get Made podcast? It's Or listen to the How Did This Get Made podcast? Actually, I haven't listened in forever, but it's one of my favorite podcasts. It's Nick Kroll and his buddies, the same guys, like Paul Shear and all the guys from the league and then his oh, wife, Paul so Shear's wife. I forgot her name. John Mulaney's in there too. Mulaney's in Big Jordan Mouth. Jordan Peele's yeah. in it. Yep, yep. There's, There's a, a lot of star power in that yeah, show. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so great show, great show for sure. All right, let's do what we came to do here today, and that's talk a little bit about this giant safety group. So before we break down any players, before we talk about the fact that Jabril Beppers has not been re-signed, <laughs> I don't like it either, before any of that, I want you to do what you do every single time we do this series, Nick. And you started off for us every time, and that's how I want it to be. Give me a 1 to 10 grade on the safety group relative to the rest of the NFL. Nine. Just a flat nine. Again, Could just be a not nine point. using the decimal system. It's just not Honestly, the way I am comfortable saying 9.5. Like, you know how lim- much you limit your. First of all, every time you've used the decimal system, you always do a 0.5. Like, that's not just <laughs> barely using the decimal system. You want to hit, sure. like, point something. Like, you know, like. This is that you're limiting yourself. You're basically making it a one of you have ten options: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And if you add the point five, now you have twenty options. I, on the other hand, have a hundred options to work with you. I, I want. I want to see your hundred options. What do you get? Hundred options. If you say nine, I will die laughing. <laughs> I'm not going to say nine. I'm not going to say nine. I'm going to say eight point six. Really? Yeah, eight point six. Hmm, Again, I McKinney remains unproven. Okay. I have a lot of upside okay. for them. I think Logan Ryan is a bit overrated by Giants fans, I'm going to be honest. I did a thing yesterday where, or two days ago, where, and I love Logan Ryan. I think he's a great player. He's a little older. I don't think he's as good as either of these other two. If, if you ask me right now, who would I rather have on this roster? Jabril Peppers or Logan Ryan? It's Jabril Peppers. Xavier McKinney or Logan Ryan? It's Xavier McKinney. A Dory Jackson or Logan Ryan? It's a Dory Jackson. James Bradbury, obviously. That goes without saying. Obviously, I'd still probably rather have Logan than, than Aaron Robinson. What I, what I would combat with that is the leadership that Logan Ryan does oh, bring. This, this is the team leadership. You know Dude. how – me and you, this is the – we don't butt – we've, like, seen the Giants – after since we started watching film on this team and going over it, I feel like we've seen eye-to-eye on so many different things from a film-based standpoint, and I hope that's not confirmation bias, which is, you know, if anyone – study psychology's confirmation bias is like when you believe something and someone confirms it for you it, it makes you feel even stronger about that belief i don't think it's that i think it's that we're just watching film and i don't want to sound elitist here but not everybody who's talking about the team is watching the film on this team 
just to be honest about that. But I will say this. One thing we've never been able to see eye to eye on is the true impact of quote-unquote culture and quote-unquote leadership, which I believe in to an extent. I just think there's a huge scale. Let's say the scale was 1 to 100. I think you're on like the 99 of it, and I'm on like the 54 of it. Or you're on like the 83 of it, and I'm on like the 36 of it. I just just feel like there's a 50-point gap in what we believe that actually means for wins and losses. I think it's gigantic having having a leader on the team that that can convey what the coaches want to do and then put people into place to execute their assignments. I believe that, but that's Blake Martinez's job. That's for the linebackers. The safeties do so many things, Dan. They do so many different types of coverages, and then when the offense changes... But say he's not there. Can Jabril Peppers do it? Probably. Can Xavier McKinney do it? Probably. He did it at Bama. I mean... He definitely did it at Bama. I think you're underrating what Logan Ryan brings to the team from that standpoint. I think that Xavier McKinney could bring it just as much. Xavier McKinney is a is a is a True. guy with barely True. any snaps. Maybe Jabril Peppers, but still Jabril Fine. Peppers also has his own assignments within what he has to do. I believe he he's the best about. leader on the roster. You're right. But if you could give me a great leader on the roster or somebody who can hang in man coverage all game like Marlon Humphrey or something, yeah, like, give me the talent. I'll take the talent every day. Yeah, but no, Any and every day I'll take the yeah, talent. Yeah, but nobody's saying that you, you, you can't have one without the other. You no, know? I agree. Yeah. But I just feel like the whole like, Judge brought in this amazing locker room culture. Okay, the Giants also didn't have much talent. They only won six games, four against player yeah. quarterbacks who won't be playing in the starting I mean, in the NFL. I definitely year. value culture more than you, but I'm not necessarily. I'm just speaking just with Logan Ryan, mm-hmm. just with Logan Ryan. Yeah, I, I think what he brings to the roster is, and I'm not just saying that because he shouted me out and everything. And I, I love <laughs> the fact that he did that. Like I, I do believe what he brings to this roster is is valuable, and it's not necessarily quantifiable. That's I think it's fair. a lot of behind the scenes. It's like somebody on a production crew in the movies, all the productions, people doing all the production stuff and not like the star actors. But I think that he's doing a lot of production stuff that we don't see. It doesn't show up on a stat sheet, but it is valuable. And I think it is valuable. I think it's not quantifiable, like you said. And I think he's doing a lot of it and doing a great mm-hmm. job of it. My whole thing is I think it's like a scale 1 to 100, I guess I would say. I'll reiterate this. And I would just – I'm on the scale of talent over culture. Always, I will yeah, always. I'm the, not saying these guys still have not, to play though. the game. I'm not saying I'm no. Not. I, know, I know. Yeah, yeah. But like, Talent, I just yeah. and he's talented as well. He's making big impact on the field. I mean, like the play he made against Washington, where he batted the ball out of the guy's hand. I forget was that Washington or was that another division opponent? Oh, we didn't win many games. <laughs> they were almost all against the division. <laughs> it depends on which player you're talking where he, about. Where he stripped, uh, forced the strip fumble, and it was recovered by I think it might have been Holmes, maybe not. I, yeah, I think that one might have been Washington. quick catch then by Logan was... Thomas. He turned up field and he ripped the yeah, ball Yeah, it was Washington. Then. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I think it was Logan Thomas, though. But I don't even know if that was that. I'm pretty but, sure, yeah. yeah. But I was thinking about the Nico Lelos play. That's against, another yeah, replay, yeah. yeah, he recovered that. Nico Lelos was the one who kind of like forced yes. uh, the receiver. In, I think so. it was uh, the Drew Sample was the tight end. So listen, man. He, yeah. he definitely I, – I believe in culture. But again, I would probably take the other two tight ends over him still, to be completely honest. Safeties, yeah. The two safeties, sorry. Yeah. I just thinking about <laughs> Logan Thomas. And in general, I'm just a little bit more skeptical of the impact of culture. I think like culture, my whole thing with culture is this. When you're winning, the culture's always great, you know? And the Giants did a great job last year of building a great culture despite not winning. Mm -hmm. Because they started the season and after week seven, they they weren't out of it mathematically because the division was the worst ever in the history of the NFL. But in any other season, they would have had another season where by week eight, they were completely eliminated from the playoffs. And he managed to keep that team fighting hard, playing every snap, 
All that is important. But I also think that if you have the talent on the field, you're winning games and then it doesn't matter. Like, I don't think that uh, Matt LaFleur or what's not Matt LaFleur. Who's the Packers coach? Mike LaFleur? No, it's Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur. I get all the LaFleurs mixed up. I don't think that Matt LaFleur has built some kind of great culture. Peter LaFleur. Like, yeah, Peter LaFleur. (laughs) But like, my example is like, for Matt LaFleur, it's like, I can't see that guy really owning a locker room like Joe Judge does, getting people to fight hard for him. I feel like he's kind of a laissez-faire coach that like has like really good offensive game plans and like really sees the game really well schematically. And so like I don't think he built any kind of great culture and yet the Packers have won like 13 and 14 games the past two seasons. Yeah, that's what Aaron Rodgers though like an And everybody talks though about how good that culture is, right? Like it's it's known now as a great culture because they but win games. Even within the Packers, which I feel is like interesting is like Aaron Rodgers is kind of known as a toxic right, type right. of leader so too. So it's not even, yeah. But they're winning. And they're still winning. But they're winning. Despite having Rodgers' toxic leader type, who's very selfish and a lot of But again, all of these should be analyzed in a vacuum. They shouldn't be analyzed, you know, like as a collective thing, essentially. True. And we got off to a huge tangent about culture. Let's get back to the safeties. 8-6, did I give it? Or did I say 8-7 or 8-6? I think you said 9. No, no, you said 8-6. You said 9 flat, and then you changed it to a 9-5 just a, making a mockery of the maybe an 8-5 I'm not sure <laughs> no 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 we'll go with we'll go with nine. limiting yourself yeah. so much on this decimal scale but listen <laughs> it's this unit is an upside based unit in my mind because Xavier McKinney still needs to be realized mm-hmm. but it's also a powerful unit in our eyes because of the depth they have three really good safety types on this roster between Ryan McKinney, who again is more of a projection by us, but we really believe there was that one rep that I showed that like I I I remember pinpointing to you, Nick, and you were like, oh yeah, that was good shit when when it was against the Cowboys in the last game when he drove down on a ball and near and came within inches of intercepting a pass, and I hadn't seen a giant safety make a play like that. I can't. I think since Kenny Phillips was on this roster, I hadn't seen a safety drive down from a deep half on a on basically a a 15-yard in-breaking route and nearly make a drive-down interception where he perfectly reads the play and drives to a spot. And that was like, oh boy, this guy's doing this with no practice time, missed all of training camp, came off a foot injury where he couldn't really run, still has those kind of instincts. So I have really high expectations on McKinney. We'll get a little more to him later. But this is the overview for the position. We feel really good about it. So let's start with the number one at this position. Who would you say at this moment is the number one? That's interesting. So, you know, yeah. I'm just going to go with Jabril Peppers. I mean, he has, you know, I don't even know how the Giants value him. I don't know if they're just being patient with the contract. And yeah. I'm not really going to speculate on that quite yet. He, he's going to have to really ball out, and we'll see if the Giants even have the money to give him. There's there's a lot of variables that kind of go into him. But I do think Jabril Peppers took a pretty large jump from his 2019 season to his 2020 season with Patrick Graham. And we saw him do so many different things he played overhang apex defender whatever the heck you want to call back it. it up back it yeah, up back overhang it up. is uh, the number one cornerback is outside right on the number one receiver overhang would be the guy on the inside apex defender is the it's, it's some it's similar to overhang but it's technically classified as the defender that would be a secondary piece but would be close to the end man on the line of scrimmage so he can do all that. He can drop in the box and play, you know, money linebacker type role. Mm-hmm. He played deep half. We never saw him play center field too much. I don't think there were many snaps of him doing that. But he basically acted yeah. as that hybrid linebacker safety that is valuable in Patrick Graham's system. And he's not a liability in run support. He's a very sound tackler. He was very effective as a blitzer. I think his man coverage skill got better from 2019 to 2020, oh, yeah. which he handled well against tight ends on those flag routes, those seven routes, on those seams 
in those streaks. I think there was a play where he carried Gronk on a horizontal cross and Gronk had a I little bit of play. leverage on him and he was just riding the outside hip of Gronk, waited, baited Brady's eyes while staying with Gronk and then right when Brady threw the ball, he lunged himself because he has excellent lower body explosiveness and dove in front of Gronk with his with his uh, inside hand and knocked the ball away while just trailing the hip. That's that's what Jerome Henderson teaches these guys a lot. The technique is you want to attack with that inside arm and then you still have another arm if you miss with that inside arm and you also kind of can control that receiver with this arm. That's why when we saw the one touchdown against Boston Scott that Jabril Peppers gave up in the first Eagles game, the one that they lost, he didn't handle that correctly. And right. Henderson criticized him because the way he played that ball was just not the correct technique. It's not what the coaches teach him. Jabril Peppers got criticized, and then he was able to correct that as the season progressed. So I think Jabril Peppers is a ton of upside there. 25-year-old elite athlete type of player, adds special teams value, but uh, more of a box type of safety if we're going to be kind of lazy with our analysis, more of somebody who you want maybe a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage than somebody you want dropping to center field. And Henderson, for those who don't know, is the Giants corner coach, defensive backs coach, and really did a lot of great work. Not only Henderson, but Joe Judge. There was a lot of talk last offseason about the work they were doing. Remember, they taped the tennis balls to their hands so they wouldn't get grabby. The way they teach coverage is very similar to how the Patriots taught coverage there. And again, it's a very similar system overall that Patrick Graham runs, but more importantly, specifically to this defensive backs group, it's a style of teaching how to cover, and it works. Like The Patriots have done an excellent job with it. The Giants look so much better in coverage one year to the next. I mean, the Giants in 2019 in coverage versus the Giants in 2020 on coverage in film, it's night and day. It's like, how could this team possibly have gotten that much better in coverage just adding one Bradbury to the mix? And overall, they did. Jabril Peppers is the best example of this to me. Out of anyone on the entire roster, Nick, I think Peppers made the biggest jump when it comes to just purely breaking down pass coverage. I think it was the biggest jump he made overall in his game, pass coverage. And again, he's shown in the past he can cover tight ends at times, but really it's just the it's it's the overall coverage. And I think a lot of it was technique based. I'm really excited about how the Giants teach coverage. And you wanna you wanna look at the technique too, because if you watch the games, you can see it. It's kind of subtle with what the technique does that does not get flagged and it probably should because right. it impedes the wide receivers advance now not not necessarily technique overall but you see this a lot on on the horizontal crossing route now i saw james bradbury do this against dk metcalf you see it a lot and it's when you're on that horizontal cross so from one side of the field they're running across you know maybe at depth 12 to 15 yards and you're basically riding that outside hip and you keep your outside arm so the arm that is upfield not towards the quarterback on that hip and then right when the throw happens you subtly just tug the hip you're not tugging the upper body you're not grabbing any laundry so it's very hard to see but you just tug the hip very subtly and then kind of use that 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 like i guess you could say energy to leap in front of the pass and knock it away with your other hand that momentum and you knock the ball with your inside arm but that little tug stops their momentum gives you just a little bit of momentum just a little bit more momentum and allows you to kind of jump in front of them it doesn't really get flagged that often unless you're really egregious with it or if they sell like that you know Mm -hmm. and they throw their arms the mike evans the mike uh yes yeah he does that all the time yeah and i think that's excellent stuff nick hopefully it's not something where like teams will or i'm sorry yeah, teams will catch on to this and bait the refs into calling this and things of that nature. But the proof is in the pudding, man. I got to give a shout out to Will Spainman1991 on Twitter. 
He said, remember the tennis, he, he broke down these numbers. Remember the tennis balls taped to the defensive back's hands that the media made fun of last year? Well, the Giants were tied for the third best in the NFL last year in 2020 for defensive holding and defensive pass interference calls. They only had 11 combined. Six defensive holdings called, five defensive pass interference called. In 2019, the Giants had the 28th worst. They went from 28th worst to third best. They had 14 holdings and 11 defensive pass interference for a combined 25 more than double what they had last season. So proof is in the pudding, my man, of how much, and here's another weird saying, proof is in the pudding. What do you think that one comes from? Proof is in the pudding. I'm not sure. Pudding is something that people want, right? It's a desire. Have you ever had pudding in your life? Oh, yeah, yeah. When I was younger, I would have pudding. When's the last time you had pudding? I have no idea. I mean, I haven't had it in a while either, but would you eat pudding right now? The answer is no. Probably not, no. You wouldn't treat yourself to one pudding? I mean. No, you wouldn't. Is it my birthday? The, the whole isn't my birthday thing you have like it's your birthday you cheat yourself one day but like i feel like even when you do that it's like i won't have pizza though i still can't do a few things like you know i'm gonna i'm gonna alter my lifestyle fat nick would be so fun man fat nick, i would oh, love fat nick jeez i would i would not you would not but i would love fat nick general i think uh fat nick could be I don't know. Could it be maybe? I don't know. I'm somebody who I, I like to <laughs> run, though. I like to stay yeah, active. It's not going to happen. It, it's just... I only joke about it because I know it's not going to happen. But my whole point was that we talked a lot last podcast when we broke down the cornerbacks about what Patrick Graham made for them, what he meant for them, what coaching can do, why Jason Garrett held the Giants back. Well, this is another example of what individual coaching can do. And Judge was played a big part in this as well. But so did Henderson. So did all of these, uh, specifically the corn, uh, defensive backs coach, of course. But teaching them this style of coverage made such a difference. Will broke it down, man. 11 combined defensive holdings and pass interference versus 25. Or that's just crazy stuff. The, the, the night and day type improvement is part of the reason the Giants defense made such a drastic change last year. And some of them, some of those defensive holdings too, they were, they, some of them can be a little ticky-tacky, but I think that happens every every yeah. year, uh, sure. to, to, to be honest. There's just a couple that I remember going to, because I, like I said earlier, I went through a lot of James Bradbury film recently, mm-hmm. and I was like, ah, you see that happen all time in the NFL and it gets flagged but Bradbury like I don't know like you know in the NBA like you know LeBron gets the calls this guy gets it like that happens in football somewhat too I think but I don't know if Bradbury has that respect yet to command that yeah I don't think he has that respect just yet but I just agree yet. with you like the the you know the stars get calls in general more so in the NBA though more so in the NBA I would say yeah too. and yeah. soccer with the flopping Oh yeah, but Mike, yeah. like you brought up Mike Evans before I mean Mike Evans literally watch yeah. him run routes he pushes off almost every time there's a cut Every single time. It yeah. doesn't get called enough. That's amazing. All right, let's get to the number two safety in your mind on this roster. Who is their second best safety heading into training camp? But before we do that, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All righty, Dan. Logan Ryan is who I'm going to go over right now just because he's the veteran and the leader of the secondary is what I would say. So I think... Kind of like I like we kind of went over him a lot before. What I feel like he brings to this team, and I also think he is you know a good player in run support, and he doesn't really have many liabilities. What I critiqued him on on the good, great, and ugly thing that I wrote for Patricia Trainer for Giants Country was that he got a little aggressive at times, and that baited him into giving up some touchdowns. There was. Sure. One touchdown that was given up against Baltimore, where it was to Des Bryant, where he kind of took the crosser instead of staying in his spot. He should have passed that crosser off, and he didn't, and then that resulted in a touchdown. There was another on the double move from Sims from the Washington football team, where he kind of took a steeper angle than he probably should have, and that allowed the double move to kind of manifest oh, I itself. That little in breaking route. Yeah. Uh, well, no, it was out and up. And, yeah, okay, yeah okay. and uh, the seam route kind of dr- uh, dragged James Bradbury inside, and it allowed for that. It was an excellent, like Scott Turner is an excellent play caller, and this is oh, so we, we brought him up on. We, we didn't bring his name up, but we brought up how Darnay Holmes was attacked in the Washington football game. I mean, that's Scott Turner doing that. Scott, he knows what he's doing. I wish the Giants had Scott Turner as the offensive coordinator. Man, I really do. Yeah, so I, I brought up those little plays, but overall, like. I, I really think he brings an invaluable thing to this team from everything that we went over before with Logan Ryan, and I do believe he, he's not a liability run support, all that stuff, and he's sure. also physical at the catch point. All the th- puts himself in the position that he needs to be, puts his teammates in the position that they need to be. That's one of the big reasons why we don't see the huge coverage breakdowns like we saw in 2019 in James Betcher's defense. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I wasn't poo-pooing Ryan as much as, you know, just a culture take. It was just a fun little debate I know, I know, earlier, but... I'll say this, what I love most about Ryan is he can play multiple spots for them. Like you said, he makes a lot of plays in the run game. He's extremely aware. He's like Bradbury in the sense that his awareness would be in the high 90s or maybe high 80s if it was created on a 1 to 100 scale. He seems to always be in the right spot at the right times to make those strip fumbles and to make big plays on the ball. I thought he did an excellent job of that last year, and a lot of that is what you said. He's super smart. He is an extension of Patrick Graham, at least in the secondary. I think Blake Martinez ultimately has more of a responsibility on calling the defense and getting everything in place, but Brian's probably the number two there, and he's definitely in charge of the secondary, and there's no ifs, ands, and buts. There's no way around it. This secondary had a crap ton of mental coverage breakdowns in 2019, just as many almost in 2018, 2020, seemingly none. So some of that is obviously the coaching. Some of that is the extension of the coach, Logan Ryan. And that could be, like you said, invaluable. I'm definitely more on the side of like the coach on the field being super valuable as like the locker room guards and that stuff, no, the yeah. locker room type stuff. It's like I've been in locker rooms. I've interviewed these players. Winning is what makes people happy. Winning is what builds good locker rooms. So a little less on that, but a co- extension of a coach on the field, that's good stuff. And that's what Ryan definitely provided last year for them. I think... I understand where you're coming from, from the uh, the winning standpoint, absolutely. Yeah. But I do believe tough locker rooms are more resilient, and it can kind of mm. get you through tougher patches of the season, which we've seen from the New York Giants in 07 True. and 2011, too. 
And we've seen it go the opposite way in 2018 when it all collapsed with the Janoris Jenkins types in uh, your locker room. Yeah, so. And even 2017 to some extent when Eli got benched and that kind of threw the locker room into a into a, yeah, like that was a, a weird time. A weird time, yeah, because at that point when Eli got benched, half the team didn't agree with the decision. Probably more than half the team. Yeah, so that it, it definitely plays a role for sure. All right, let's get into our third corner, I think. It, or I'm sorry, our third safety, number three on the list. He'd probably be, by the end of the year, I think he's going to be the second best safety on this roster. He might be Potentially the first. the first. I actually think he's got a good chance to be the first best safety on this roster. And that's Xavier McKinney, the second-year pro who missed the vast majority. I mean, he played 211 snaps last year. That's it. But, man, 74 in that Dallas game. His first full slate complement of snaps. And he was fantastic in that Dallas game. I love what I saw on film there. And if that's a sign of what is to come, I am so excited. So talk a little bit about McKinney. McKinney, another player who's very, very versatile. And that's something that I love to see because he handled so many assignments in Nick Saban's defense at the Crimson Tide when he was in college. And he's somebody who I feel like does have the capability to drop in the uh, single high, middle of the field, close, look, cover one type stuff. And you need a lot of range to be able to do that. You need the ability to click and close downhill, which he definitely has. You need the ability to understand how to master angles and not, you know, take a poor angle and run support or even, you know, when you're breaking on a pass because that could be the difference between, you know, a 12-yard gain and an 80-yard touchdown. And I think he has all that from a mental standpoint and the athletic ability is there. I know his combine wasn't all that great, but when you watch his film, you could see his hips, you could see how he moves, you could see his feet, and you could see how he breaks on the football. And you brought up the play before, but there was another play in Dallas where he was just backpedaling and he was reading the route combinations. He saw Andy Dalton target the out route, and I think Darnay Holmes actually holds C.D. Lamb, but Darnay Darnay Holmes didn't need to do that because McKinney broke and the throw was a little bit outside. And I don't think CeeDee Lamb was going to get there because the timing seemed to be off between Lamb and Dalton. I don't think it was the hole. The hole was very, very subtle. So maybe it was, but I really don't. McKinney broke on the pass so quickly, put himself in position, intercepted the ball, ran it up the sidelines. But then it ended up getting called back. He ended up getting another interception later to seal the win. But that was a huge play by Xavier McKinney that showed a lot of intriguing athletic traits and mental traits. And he has all those things. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. I mean, there were three plays in that Dallas game that could have been interceptions. One that was called back by a hold. The other where he just missed breaking on it. And then his actual interception. Guy had three potential interceptions in his only game he played last season where he had a full complement of snaps. He was drafted as a cookie-cutter perfect fit for Patrick Graham's system. He was the quarterback of the defense in Nick Saban's system. I remember reading Nick Saban talk about how he gave him, he had more confidence and gave him more responsibility than anyone he's had in the last decade in that secondary. And that secondary has had first-round picks galore at Bama. He is a super heady player. His instincts, they're natural on the field. That's why he's making breaks on the ball. That's why he's coming up with potential three interceptions in one game. He can do a ton of things. He's a jack of all trades. That's another reason I'm super excited about him. In his last season at Alabama, he played a third of his snaps in the box, a third of his snaps lined over the slot, and then a third of his snaps in the deep half safety role. Why does the last part excite me the most? Well, the Giants have been in need for a center field deep half safety type forever so they can run more man coverage, forever so they can run more diverse pressure packages and so they can shoot more gaps to help the run defense. If he can hold up in the deep half something I don't really feel like Logan Ryan or Jabril Peppers can do an elite job of, maybe they can do an okay job of, if he can do a good to elite job of that, well now you have so many more things schematically you can do if you're Patrick Graham and you're running this defense. McKinney, man, he is a great prospect for this team. It still has to be seen. 
He still only had one game last season with a full complement of snaps. But if that game told us anything, man, it's the Giants have a lot of confidence in him because he did not have much reps in training camp. Didn't have a chance to really work out coming off the foot injury. And yet they put him in a full-time role in what was a must-win game. Like, yes, it was to get to six wins. And remember, again, four of them came against quarterbacks who will not be starting in the NFL this season. The Giants only had two wins against quarterbacks who will be starting in the NFL this season last year. Two of 16. I want to keep that in mind because, to me, I don't feel I don't like how last season was misremembered a bit. But that's a whole side tangent. But the point is, they put him in a big game, in a big spot, and he came up big. Yeah, not just the deep half, also center field role, which I think is what yeah, you, what you what meant. I, yeah, the center field role. But... His eye discipline for a player who was a rookie last year who missed all training camp, who missed all the time rehabbing. It's not like his body was fully up to speed. No. That's why he had to play shorter snaps in that Cincinnati game coming out of the bye and everything like that. But his eye discipline, man, everything clicks for him. He sees everything breaking down in front of him. He knows how to bait and he knows how to react and he has the athletic ability to put himself in the position. So I think the upside is is so high for Xavier McKinney. I'm really, really excited about him. Me too, man. Me too. All right, let's talk about the other safeties on this roster. We're going to incorporate a lot of players who are kind of safeties. They're hybrid-type defensive backs, so let's talk Julian Love. Dan, I feel like I'm a little higher on Love than you are, and I don't think he's like an exceptional player or anything like that, but I I value the amount of hats he can wear Mm. to a solid degree on this defense. And I think he can play that deep center field role when asked to. Might not be totally ideal but i think when you consider somebody who was a boundary cornerback who had a ton of pbus at notre dame came into the league had to learn a second defense in two years and then played boundary cornerback played slot and did a bunch of different things lined up in the box sometimes as a sound tackler is a better athlete than i feel like he gets credit for as well i mean i i value that as a fourth safety i really do i think that i mean i don't think that you're wrong in any of that and I, my take on Love is not that I don't value him. My take is that I'm not so sure this coaching staff values him in that same regard because he wasn't drafted by this coaching staff. And that always matters to me. That's, you know, he wasn't handpicked. He was handpicked for a totally different style of defense and a totally different coach. And then last year, you know, he played a slew of roles. He never really got too many games with a full complement of snaps. I think he had two games where he had a full complement of snaps, two or three games. At the beginning of the season, he was playing a bunch. Then he kind of, in the middle of the season, started to fall up and not play at all. In Dallas, he played a bunch, obviously, because the corner situation was dire at that second boundary spot, and so he played it and helped them towards the end of the season. That's where, ultimately, I'm most excited about. I don't think he's a great slot guy. I don't think he's... I definitely don't like him when he's playing the deep half. I don't like him in the, in the safety role at all, really, to be honest with you. I don't think he's bad at it. I just think it's not optimal. But in that second corner role, especially if they're going to play a lot of zone... That's where I like him. That's where I think he's a solid player. And ultimately, he does wear a lot of hats. So he could definitely be the type of player that supersedes the fact that he wasn't drafted by this coaching staff. I think he could too. And uh, he's somebody that if he has to start, if he has to play, I don't think it's a huge indictment on this defense or liability maybe I should say on this defense like an Isaac Yadam kind of would be. You know, would really make you uh, scheme specific. Whereas I think Love can kind of come in and do a variety of different things. And as a fourth safety, I think that's, I do think that's valuable. And I think that kind of, I think Julian Love might be better than a lot of other teams' fourth safeties. But I wouldn't have to break down a lot of those other rosters, which I haven't done. No. 
and neither of us have a full grasp of the fourth safety on all 32 teams. That would be pretty <laughs> impressive on our part. All right, who are the other safeties you want to touch on here before we get to some bold predictions? So you have Montre Hardage and Madre Harper. You also have Chris Milton, who's a little bit more of a cornerback. Madre Harper is somebody I feel like this coaching staff liked because of his size and his aggressiveness. I do remember last year him taking a penalty where I was like, oh, no, I think it was on special teams and it was a little frustrating. But I think he, if he can, if he can make the roster, which is a big if with all these additions, If he can, he may find himself on the field if injuries do happen because he is one of those cornerback safety hybrids that this coaching staff does seem to value, mainly because of the size and physicality that he brings. Sure, I think that's fair. And I think Hartridge is a guy who comes from Miami, so he obviously has familiarity with Patrick Graham, and that helps. Also a really smart kid. He went to Northwestern, and uh, yes, having that familiarity was big, but I just think he's a little bit athletically limited. Yeah, I was going to say, limited athletically is not totally ideal and usually can lead to probably early bow outs from your NFL career at least with the Giants it's going to be tough it's going to be a tough competition for all of these defensive backs there's a lot of talent at the defensive back position all right let's get to some bold predictions here I tipped mine off a little bit earlier but I'm going to say it now by the end of the 2021 season unanimously I won't say unanimously because there's still a portion of the fan base who likes the Saquon Barkley pick there's still a portion of the fan base who thought the Giants were amazing last year for some odd reason. So I'm not going to say it's unanimous, but I'm going to say me and you will unanimously agree that Xavier McKinney is the best safety on this roster. That's my bold prediction. I think that's fair. My bold prediction is, and I don't know how bold, eh, I'm going to say this is bold because it hasn't happened. One of these three are going to make the Pro Bowl. Ooh. One of these three makes... I hate the Pro Bowl, though. Like, so do I. Can we talk all okay. pro? Uh, see, all pro yeah, is big. I, I think one of these three will, will rise to the upper... Probably not Logan Ryan. So I'm going to say Jabril Peppers or Xavier McKinney are going to rise to the upper echelon of safety play in the national view and not okay. just within the New York market. I like that. That's a bold prediction, and I like it. All right. That's all we have for today. Before we sign off, I want to read a few more reviews and ratings. As always, if you leave us a rating and review on iTunes... You can ask us any question and we'll answer it. It doesn't matter. It could be about Nick's atrocious eating (laughs) habits. And I call them atrocious, though a doctor would probably say they're ideal. And my eating habits are absolutely atrocious. So who knows? I mean, I literally, last time I went food shopping, bought a bag of saltwater taffy that's freaking fantastic. And I eat like two or three a day. I brought mango mango sorbet, I think it is, or shirt. This Trader Joe's mango sorbet is out of this world okay, good you were almost going to pronounce that incorrectly but you corrected yourself. <laughs> well it's a sherbet at first but i because oh, i was okay. thinking the sherbet okay. but i think it is a sorbet and my god like i, I i've i've opened that thing three times and i'm already at least 75 80 percent through and if you look at the back on like a, on the sample side or whatever they call it the serving size that thing has like 43 grams of sugar in every third so i'm just funneling sugar into my body like any doctor would say this is a bad idea but you know what you only live once as I guess Drake says. Yeah, I think that was the great philosopher Drake. The great philosopher Drake. So listen, you want to ask us about food. You want us to ask us about the Giants. You want want us to answer any of your questions. Leave a review. Leave a rating. Do your part to help us grow this podcast. Shout out A. Heimowitz. Five-star review. These guys bleed blue. I have listened to these podcasts for some time now, and I have never heard such knowledge before about the G-Man. I was really impressed. Paul H., Juckin Thames. Juckin Thames says, great podcast. These guys really break things down and deliver thoughtful analysis on all things related to the Giants. Thank you, Juckin Thames. Richie G, Rich G12 says, highly recommend this podcast. It's awesome. I love listening to these guys. Five-star review. Thank you. And finally, 
WTF that this is garbage, which I thought was going to be a negative review, though I then saw the five stars, said, I listen to every show while I'm working. It's a great show to listen to if you're a fan of the Giants or just like in-depth football analysis. I love hearing Dan get some airtime on FFT also. He's doing a great job. Keep up the good work, boys. Don't have any questions, but I did meet Lawrence Taylor once in White Plains, and he reeked of a freshly smoked cigar. Was not disappointed. LT is the GOAT. And we'll wrap it up there with that excellent review. Thank you to everybody who tuned in. Have a great rest of your week, and we will talk to you soon.